0: My name is Kiki Gushu, and welcome back to Behind the Camera, stories of women working in the media industry. Today, my interview is with Yael Melamed. She's a New York City-based filmmaker and producer, and is co-founder of Salty Features, which is an independent production company. In honor of talking with Yael today, in which a lot of the conversation is centered around documentary filmmaking, I thought I would take this time to share my favorite ever documentary called The Hunting Ground. The Hunting Ground came out in 2015 and was directed by Kirby Dick. It examines instances of sexual assault on campuses and the university administration's failures to properly address allegations of misconduct. This was an incredibly eye-opening and fire-starting documentary for me and inspired my passion for documentaries. Other documentaries that are definitely eye-opening and worth your time are 13th and Athlete A. Without further ado, I'll go into my interview with Yael Melamed.
1: So oh, hi, Ms. Melamed, it's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Um, so the kind of the first question, just to get us rolling is, can you just briefly explain what your job is and what your, comp- what your company does? That's a complicated
2: question. Um, most people say, what does a producer do? So I'm a filmmaker. I started um, our company, Salty Features, um, with, a collab- with a wonderful collaborator in 2003 um and we wanted to make i have a complicated name and my collaborator has a complicated name and we decided we wanted something really elemental for our film company so we called it salty with the idea that we didn't really want to make sweet kind of treacly films and we didn't want to make sour films um we wanted to make salty films things that would hopefully enhance the landscape or enhance the world that was our hope and that salt we both love savory foods and Um, We thought it had a real positive but simple, a positive simplicity to it that we both liked. Um, So that's why we called it Salty and we spent the first nine, no, the first, we spent the first six years um, making mostly independent fiction feature films and in 2009, not intentionally, um, we started making documentary films. My business partner, sadly, left to join the not-for-profit world um where she's doing amazing things and i stayed on with salty and have really focused on um independent documentary films um not all independent but document for the last since 2009 um we've done
1: only documentary films how did you decide to make that switch from documentary or from fiction to documentary
2: I don't really feel like they're a big switch. I mean, I should say I started my professional career as an architect. Um, I went to architecture school and then um, had come to architecture through a love of photography. And after working in architecture for a while, I just somehow missed that very visual, looking through a camera piece of it. So I left. And people often say, "How did you switch from architecture to film?" And I. Find them really similar. I think in both it's about storytelling, but in architecture, you're telling a story through um, through buildings and through spaces. And in film, you're telling stories through characters, but also through spaces and places. Um, and the same for me is true for fiction and documentary. They're all about telling stories of amazing characters. And I don't see them as, as so dissimilar. Um, The making of them is different. The requirements in terms of budgets and in terms of complexity um, is very different. But ultimately, I make um, almost everything I make comes from the same place of uh, curiosity and belief in something and a desire to share it with others.
1: Awesome. So kind of I guess this is the one you get a lot. I when I was going through your films, a lot of them you're listed. The only one that you're not listed, you're listed as the director on Dishonesty, but on the rest of them, you're a producer. So I've always kind of been like a little blurry on this, but what do you do as a producer? So a producer wears many different hats depending
2: on the project. In some cases, a producer will be the person who came up with the idea for a project or a film um, and takes it from that very beginning Uh, all the way to the very end. Um, And some of our films have been that. Others, uh, I've joined in at the very end after a film's almost been entirely shot, but the film's kind of stuck or the filmmaker is stuck and really needs somebody to come in and help. Um, In some cases, a producer comes in and really manages the flow or manages the project for people who have come up with the idea and put it together but don't know how to get it made so it really depends on the project and I've done many different things on uh, different projects but I think it's really important um, as producers that we respect that role and make sure, I I think the producer role should indicate that someone made a really important impact on the film and that without that person the film would have been different. Um, We've been struggling a lot in our industry with issues of sustainability and of credit and of um, budgets and making a living and we're trying very hard to um, make sure that the roles that people play match the compensation that they get and the credit that they get. So while on some films, especially the ones where I didn't initiate them and wasn't there for the whole time, um, it's still very important to me that you know I played a critical role, and if i hadn 't and i don 't
1: i wouldn 't take on that credit when you 're making a documentary what 's your first kind of step like how do you find subjects and how do you find or is that kind of like a fluid process of like you find one person who refers you to another or like information just kind of in general
2: yeah that 's a good question. I think the best is to think back to the films that we 've made um, they all come from some idea, I think most of them have been inspired by people um, with an amazing story. So if I think of, um, you know, Sente came to us uh, in, a, in actually a very um, different way, but that was one where there was just an amazing character who was doing beautiful things in the world and she led us to other stories, but it was her search that was the inspiration for us. We then found Innocente, and she ended up not being involved in the actual film in the end, but without her, we would have never um, arrived at Innocente. Um, but Desert Runners is a good example of a film that I did not initiate. I joined it late. It was about. It's a film about um, regular people running ultra marathons, and I just loved the idea of people who, I don't think I could run an ultramarathon, but the people we profile are people who feel like they, I could be like them. And so to see how they fare um, was really interesting to me. And it just felt like it gave um, insight into what we're made of. And that was interesting to me. With Dishonesty, which I also directed for the first time. Um, That was very much inspired by Dan Ariely meeting him and wanting to find the right project to do together. And so we looked for a long time and the film came out of a whole process of experimentation and also led to a whole bigger project on ethics, um, which we keep working on uh, till today. When I Walk is a film which I was an executive producer on, which is slightly different. I don't think it's worth going into the details of it, but that one I I came on really as not a full producer because I wasn't there day in, day out. Um, But that one I was so moved by the story of um, a a young man with MS who was chronicling his own uh, fall or um, getting sicker uh, but it turned into a beautiful love story and I was really moved by that. Um, and now we're doing a film uh, around the idea of free speech and that came from having worked on a big TV series on um, why we hate and it just got me interested in, um, in issues of law and free speech. And so um, that's also through the story of somebody who's been involved in battles of free speech for
1: decades that's really interesting especially right now i feel like that's so prevalent but too much i'm going to ask you do you think we have too much free speech too little free speech
2: what are your feelings on free speech
1: i don't think there's too much but i think that there's a very blurry line between you know hate speech and free speech and i feel like it's hard because you want people to be able to say what they think and it's you know a big part of american culture and identity to have the free speech in our society there's so many people who kind of spew the hate speech and i feel like it's hard to like determine you know if that you know is should be okay and that's such a fight and it's i think i feel like it turns into such like a right versus left kind of like conversation which i think as does like everything in our society right now like so does like mask wearing and you know whether it's health which I really think it's not about that I feel like it's just and you can't tell people oh like you can say whatever you want but no hate speech so I just feel like yeah I don't know that's a really tricky question I feel like I could think about that for a long time (laughs) but is that kind of what you are working like that's kind of the question of the film
2: Uh, yeah, it's looking at our history of free speech and this discomfort right now of people wanting the left was historically the group that really felt strongly about protecting free speech. And I think the left today in an effort to try and right a lot of historical wrongs wants to, for the first time, suppress speech that feels offensive. Um, and, uh, that's not really what our laws say. So, right. complicated.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. So that's so that is what we're looking
1: at. That's so interesting. Is this a film that has like that you're working on right now, or is this part of the series? Kind awesome. starting. Awesome. Yeah. I can't wait to watch it. <laughs> that's... I can't wait
2: for for other people to watch it, but it's really very, very early days.
1: So this is kind of in a little bit of a different direction, but I've been curious about it because um, when I was talking to Mr. Metzopoulos about you, he said, and you said earlier, that you worked in architecture, and how did you, like, decide to make that switch? Like, when did that come about?
2: So it was about two or three years after I'd finished graduate school, and I'd worked for a bunch of different architects, and I just couldn't quite find my way in architecture, which is weird, because I come from a family of architects and maybe that was a reason why I didn't find it, but I, it was such a familiar world um, and yet I wasn't finding kind of my language. Um, and I just missed, I missed the camera. I missed looking at the world through a camera um, and I preferred, I was more drawn to that mode of expression than than somehow drawing, like seeing the world through drawing or through drafting or, um, or that way. So I really wasn't sure what to do. And I took a, I decided to take a phone course at NYU, um, a summer class. And it just felt so much more like what I should be doing. But I will say I'm really glad that I got the education of an architect. I think it's a fantastic education. It's very rigorous. It makes you see things in lots of different ways. Um, I wish I'd had a chance to go to film school as well, but, um, but I don't regret having um, studied architecture at all. So I made the switch pretty quickly. After taking that course, I decided it's really what I wanted to do. And I started over actually at a small in, um, but flourishing independent film company in New York as an intern. The company at the time was called Good Machine. Um, it's no longer around, but it was an amazing company. And I started as an intern, taking out the garbage and answering phones. And I always laugh because I think you know, experience, you know, I'd gone to graduate school, I'd worked as an architect, I'd worked um, for a few years, and it definitely felt like a step back. Um, And most bad experiences, you know, in retrospect, they get better. And I have to say that experience just gets worse. I can't quite believe um, that I was doing that for a while. You know, I wasn't getting paid. And it was a terrible office. Um, the people were wonderful, but the layout of the office was so awful. The only bathroom in the entire office was inside the conference room. Um, and, and it was so crowded that if you got up from your seat, it wasn't clear that you'd have a seat to get back to. So it was um, it was a wonderful environment because they were making fantastic films. Um, but it wasn't all that interesting as an intern, but it led to my next job, and I'm absolutely delighted that I did it. And some of the people I met, um, in fact, that's where I met Peter. He hired me for that job. Um, so, uh, so those people have remained friends. But it really was a um, an odd experience.
1: It's Usually, what when people say it's character building, right? It was. <laughs> um.
2: um. I'm glad, I'm glad I did it, but I'm glad I was able to move on quickly.
1: So um, this is kind of a more difficult question, but what would you say is your biggest obstacle working in the film industry or just like one of your biggest obstacles while you have been working in film or on the day-to-day, like the hardest part?
2: I think independent
1: filmmaking is just a tough business.
2: Um, there aren't, as and actually comparing it to architecture is probably useful, um, architecture as a business has a lot more um, known environments. You, there's a client, and there's a, an architect, and there's a contractor, and people have very specific um, roles that they have to fulfill in those relationships. Um, and there's certain safety rules um, that come into play. There's just a lot of knowns. And in filmmaking, Every, everything, every project is different, which is true in architecture as well, but in film, every project is different and how it gets financed, how it gets put together, the relationships between the different parties really changes dramatically every time. So I think the difficulty is in managing that lack of control, the lack of um, clarity Um the difficulty in knowing where the next film is gonna be financed from and how. Um, the fact that the industry has changed so much in the time I've been in it. When I joined the industry in the 90s, there, were, there was kind of an established independent group of filmmakers and companies and a certain number of distributors. Most of them are no longer in business. Um, the digital revolution has changed everything. So managing the unknowns, I think, is the hardest part of this business. Nothing, almost nothing
1: repeats. Do you find that being a woman in this industry has shaped your experience working like in the media or being a leader in your own company? Or do you think that hasn't really played a part?
2: I think it's hard to know as an independent producer, it's so hard to know why decisions get made by others. Um, So it's hard to say, um, you know, for what reason some of our films uh, we're, we're per, we're, it's it's hard to tell why some films uh, succeeded and others didn't or why some films were bought and others weren't. Um, I hadn't thought a lot about w- whether being a woman makes a difference. Certainly there are a lot more women producers in documentaries um, than there are in fiction film. And there are more women producers in general. There are fewer women um, Women directors in fiction, but there are also a lot of women uh, directors in documentary. So I would say uh, documentary is more friendly to women than the rest of the film industry. Um, but the numbers do tell um, do tell a good story in terms of, you know, what what projects get greenlit by bigger companies, um, what projects get more attention. Um, I think we're things are changing in a better direction and happen for a few years um, but it's a it's a process.
1: Yeah and it's fine it kind of funny when like through mainstream media you know you see like as a little girl you know you watch like the Oscars and stuff and it's like only one female director has like ever won and so I just think but that's interesting that you said more women are in documentary filmmaking and do you think that because it's more like, It's because is it usually about like name in like name value in fiction filmmaking or not as much?
2: No, I think there's. um, I think documentary filmmaking is more open in general to people trying it because a fiction film. um, You need a big crew. You need a certain minimum amount of money to get a film made. In documentary especially with the digital revolution um, a filmmaker can make almost make a film on their own or with very very few people around barrier to entry the cost is less and the barrier to entry is less Um, so I think it makes it easier it's also less um, it it, documentary filmmaking pays less well than uh, other forms of filmmaking and I think women in general have been more tolerant in all fields of making less money and end up filling those roles because they're there. Um, so I think that's part of it. I'm sure they're larger issues, but I'm not an expert about them.
1: So this kind of goes along like with when you're filmmaking, how, you know, I noticed when I was like researching about you and your company that um, Dishonesty got like a extremely high Rotten Tomatoes score. So for you, is that something that you like work towards or you don't like critical response or you just kind of ignore that and do what you're gonna do? Or is that definitely like a part of what you do?
2: Do you mean do I have crit- critical response when I'm making the film? Like how to be,
1: how to making make it- Making and be- after, I guess too. Like after, is that something, you know, you look to right away or you don't take that to heart as much? I know it's hard not to take.
2: I mean, I think I, I certainly want our films to be liked, um, for sure, and want them to be seen and want them to have an impact. Um, one brand there, you know, I always, when we started the company, um, we had rules about which films we would work on and, and what we would do in cases of disagreement, but we both agreed that we would never do horror films. It was just not, it was not in our wheelhouse and not interesting to either of us. And, you know, from a commercial perspective, I wish it was because that is a genre that, um, for some reason, continue continuously makes money and does well. So it, it definitely matters to me what people think of a film, but um, but I it doesn't guide the decisions we make in terms of how we make our films. Um, certainly, there what people will like has an impact on what we can get made. Um, we try to make films that are about topics that we think are important. So I think all the films that we've made were made with a kind of eye towards the moment we were making them in and wanting to do something that could make people think about what we're going through or what what is happening in the world, not in a preachy way, but ideally in a thoughtful way. Um, So, you was a film about an amazing young artist, but it was also a film about immigration and homelessness, um, and about the power of arts. Um, and that felt like a really good moment to be talking about those things through this amazing, through this amazing person. Um, Dishonesty came a few years after the financial crisis, and it felt like it shed light on why we can act so badly. And We hoped that it would take away from the idea of, you know, there are good people and bad people. And if we could just figure out who all the bad people are, the rest of us could get on with our lives um, more easily and rather change the narrative to being about how we can all behave really badly under the right or wrong circumstances. And it felt like it was a really good time to be having that conversation. And now we're doing a film about free speech and I feel like it's a really good moment to be talking about the difficulties around free speech. And again, not trying to change the conversation from good and bad speech to it's complicated and what happens when we try to um, limit offensive speech. Um, what might that do to good speech? I mean, I have a, a bias on this, but um, but I think it's just, more complex than we allow it to be most of the time. The person we're working with is so good. He says he says it so much more eloquently, but he says, you know, it's never nobody (coughs) nobody has an issue with speech we like. Right. Um that's just not controversial. And so the only controversy is around speech we don't like and who gets to make that call.
1: Right. Because either way someone's not gonna like it.
2: Right, and then the question is, what is the what is the danger of limiting that speech that we we don't like? What might it do to the speech? Could it ever backfire against the speech that we do like?
1: Right. So, so as a producer on films, or when you were directing too, or when you are directing, um, do you take part in the research or like interviewing process, or do you usually hire someone else to do that, or kind of a mix of both?
2: Yeah, no, and the the wonderful thing about documentaries is that it's a very um, it's a very intimate producing and filmmaking process for the most part. I mean, I did work on one TV series, and that had a much larger crew, and there was a lot of delegating um, that was different from um, films on their own. So, yeah, I get involved with a lot of research um, on films, but not. I try to, if I can, not to do it on my own. I think one really benefits from other points of view and from um, discussions around topics. So, I my favorite way of working is having a small team where we're divvying up what we're researching, but then come together and compare notes.
1: So, when you meet like a person who's either like an interviewee or like a subject of a film, is that a hard process to make them comfortable or? Do you, or do they usually, if they signed on, they're usually into it?
2: It generally depends. Um, interviewees come in all shapes and sizes and um, degrees of comfort. But most, you know, a lot of people, I would say most people, most people are interested in sharing their story. Um, dishonesty was particularly interesting in the, in the, um, in the Q and A's after that film, often people would say, how did you get people to talk about so much of their dishonest behavior? And the truth is that those, the people we interviewed were kind of relieved to be able to tell their own stories in their own voices. Their stories have been told so often by local press or even national press, and they never had a chance to talk about it themselves. So, um, they, they thanked us very often after the interviews, they felt that somebody gave them a stage to tell their own stories. So I think if one can uh, give people that opportunity, it's a great thing, but one also has to be careful that we're not, as filmmakers, allowing people to just share false stories or recreate the truth um, in a way that is uh, harmful. I mean, you know, the kinds of films, I will say the kinds of films we make are not breaking news, investigative, behind-the-scenes type um, documentary filmmaking. We're not uncovering, we're not trapping people and trying to kind of have these gotcha moments. Um, We're open to those. It's not like we don't want them, but generally the topics that we've been, after are different and so they invite conversation and thought and people and and people are are happy in general to contribute.
1: So I'm a pretty big documentary watcher um and one thing I always notice is I feel like the ones that are the most interesting and enticing are when they try really hard you know obviously there's usually a little bit of bias but I think it's always the most interesting when they are pretty much neutral and the storytelling because then it gives both sides so I think that's is that something that you find is hard to do or easy to do because I feel like whenever you're working on a subject you kind of end up having a bias toward it so how do you kind of filter that yeah
2: I mean I, I first of all I think that one makes one one makes one's argument stronger if one shows the other side I think trying to never show the other side is a mistake it's simplistic and um it it's a reductive and I, I don't think it's as helpful. Um, and I, I really um, think it's a disservice to documentary filmmaking when, when people are using filmmaking as just a um, as pure activism and trying to convince other people that they're right. Um, but it's a fine line because I think there's lots of incredibly revealing documentaries that show tremendous stories about injustice. And and in those situations, it's not always that complicated. So um, discovering something and um, discovering tremendous injustice or discovering things that one didn't know about that are very painful can be extremely powerful. Um, but there are filmmakers who start a film um, with an argument that they basically want to prove and the film becomes a proof of concept rather than an exploration of an idea. And I don't, in general, I think that that's not the most thoughtful or helpful filmmaking. I think it's part of what polarizes us. Um, and, uh, and, and it's not, not helpful to public discourse.
1: Do you have a favorite documentary that you've worked on and then a favorite documentary that you haven't worked on? I'm always looking for suggestions.
2: (laughs) I don't have one favorite documentary uh, that I've seen. I think it's such a beautiful field. You know, I came into filmmaking with no interest in documentary films. I really was much more interested in um, fiction and I've very much become um, so passionate about documentaries. I just think there's something in the spontaneity and um, discovery of of the filmmaking itself, of going out into the world and collecting something that you never expected um, that is really wonderful. And the tools that we have today lend themselves to so much of that spontaneity and discovery that it kind of is a is a great time to be in the field. So I can't say that there's one, I think for me, for sure, um, Dishonesty, The Truth About Lies would probably stand above the rest as a film because I got to produce it and to direct it um, and it was such a joy to be able to do both
1: I like to end them and these with um if you have a favorite quote or piece of advice you've received
2: well there's one piece of advice that we received that I received that I think about a lot but it's long <laughs> but I think it's I think it's it's good so I I, um, I was at the Toronto Film Festival one year and ran into a Really celebrated documentary um, filmmaker by the name of Gordon Quinn, who actually got sick during COVID but has recovered, which is great because he's a he's beloved and a wonderful man and um, and so important to all of our work. Um, but I was it was while we were making Dishonesty and we were well, we were talking about the so we were talking about the ethics of documentary filmmaking and the rights of subjects in that process because filmmakers have a lot of power in the dynamic of interviewing other people. And he um, gave me some advice that I don't, have not always followed, but I thought it was such a great um, standard to to think about, which was he said that at his company, they evaluate the relative power position of their subjects versus them. And if they have interviewed someone and they feel like they have a lot more, than if the subject disagrees with the final cut, that they will try to convince that person that they're right. Um, but if they can't, then they will actually change the cut to reflect what that person believes is fair or true. But that if somebody has more power than them, like a famous, uh, a powerful senator, member of government, very wealthy person, um, doesn't like what they've done, then they retain the power. Um, and I thought that was a really interesting way to think about it. I hadn't, I hadn't put it in those terms for myself, so I thought that was really useful advice in thinking about the ethics of, of power or the the dynamics of power in filmmaking.
1: I like that. I feel like that's really, I don't know, I feel like that's impactful. Well, thank you so much for meeting with me. You're Thank you.